For fans of the sport, the name Becky Peterson has probably been on your radar for a little while. Starting as a Fanshawe Falcon in the CCAA, the team was at the height of their dominance and she was a huge reason for that, finishing top five at two CCAA cross-country championships. From there, she went to the Western Mustangs where she was a consistent cross-country team member and turned out some great performances during the indoor season as well. Since graduating, you can find Becky running twilight meets across southwestern Ontario, and you can often catch her making an appearance at nationals. While primarily known as a miler, it was a bit of a surprise to see her on the elite list for this year's Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, especially after setting a PB in the 800 earlier this summer. So, this week we caught up with Becky to talk about marathon training, why she's running the event, and balancing the shift work of being a nurse while continuing to chase running goals. My name is Michael Rokas. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. All right, so we are about a, a week away from uh, from the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Uh, you are, you know, you'll be, you should be in, in to solid taper territory now. I got to know, you know, how, how are you feeling going into your debut, debut marathon? Um, I'm feeling pretty good overall, uh, just battling the tail end of a cold right now, which isn't optimal. Um, but overall, my runs haven't felt too terrible. Uh, still pretty high energy. Um, haven't got the taper crazies yet, maybe later this week. But overall, feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know, like... Uh, this may be your your first marathon and stuff, but you know you've you've tapered plenty before. Is is a taper cold like mm-hmm. a a frequent thing that that comes comes around? I know people who without fail every single taper they'll end up with like some sort of sniffles or like nothing too high grade, but like there's always something. Is that something that that hits you often? Um, actually, no. I've generally been like pretty lucky. I think I jinxed myself because I was talking to one of my friends the other week, and I was like, oh yeah, I hardly ever get sick. Um, so, but it's hard. Like I work in a hospital, so it's, uh, it happens from time to time, but yeah, I think just like your body's kind of at its max a lot of the time and then just kind of an opportune time to get sick. So, so let's talk about the training going into this. I, I mean, what, what was the mileage like? Um, you know, we're, we're talking about taper and stuff and, and the taper is the time really what, when your energy, like kind of starts to come back but like what was did you delve too much from from what you're doing before this did you just switch out some workouts or or what was what was the the idea of the training going into the marathon build um i had come off a summer uh doing some track focus so averaged maybe only 70 or 80k a week so i knew i'd have to up it a little bit more but also safely because i couldn't make that big of a jump um, we tried to do a cycle of kind of low, medium, high weeks, um, cycled through that twice, um, got up to about 130 mid, um, which I was really happy with, just coming from the mileage I had in the summer. I definitely worked on the long run. Um, most of the summer, I didn't really do those um, and threw in some uh, a lot longer tempo, kind of like marathon piece stuff too and cut out all the speed that I like. So <laughs> it was a little bit of a change, but uh, I felt I was really happy with it. So, you know, the, in, in the marathon, there, there's quite a few different variations of, you know, some key indicator workouts. 
Um, I know the Hansons are really big on the 26.2-kilometer the uh, marathon pace, you know, a couple weeks out, three weeks out. Um, you know, I've heard different variations of, of that. Did, did you guys go with uh, some sort of indicator workout for this, and, and what was it? Or, you know, was there a number of ones where you kind of were able to draw some conclusions as to what, what you can do in Toronto? Um, I did uh, one longer run a few weeks ago um, to equal kind of like my goal time on feet. Um, so I hit at just over 37K um, in just about 250. Um, so just to kind of get the body used to hopefully being around that time come marathon day. And then I also did um, a two-hour kind of five minutes on at marathon pace, five minutes slightly slower, where the average was just a few seconds off of, again, my goal time. Um, got a lot of confidence from both of those. Um, <laughs> I'm still, that was last 12K, I think, come marathon day, is still seem a little daunting, but hopefully the base and the work I've done is enough, so... You know, you mentioned that you were doing a lot of track stuff this summer. And uh, actually, if you you look at your IAAF page, it says that um, your 800 meter PB came this summer on the track. It seems like an odd time to uh, look at taking down the marathon. Uh, they they kind of seem like, uh, you know, very contrasting events. What, what was the big motivation for this? Um, honestly, it's going to sound kind of silly, but back in like 2008, me and two of my friends made uh, like a promise that we were going to do the 125th Boston that's in 2021 Mm -hmm. so (laughs) the qualifying window is now um and I'm just not much for cold weather so I knew kind of like a spring marathon was kind of out of the picture so it was kind of now or or never kind of so that was really the big motivation plan is definitely after I'm still I'm going to go back to track stuff so I'm just going to try out the marathon (laughs) Have you have you talked to uh, the people that, that you made those plans yeah. with? Are are they also running then, or or have they backed out at this point? No. So the other girl's running um, the same day, actually, as Scotia, one of the ones in Quebec. And then our third girl, she's committed to spring one, so we'll have to make sure she goes through with it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know what's what's interesting to me is. Um, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of post collegians and and stuff the the last little bit, and you yourself, you you ran for the Fanshawe Falcons, uh, you know, followed by the Western Mustangs, um, you know, after after people leave school, a lot of people's careers kind of either either peter off completely, or you know, people will take a break and they'll they'll come back years later, or you know, like so, sometimes they'll, they'll continue with maybe some reduced mileage. You know, you're still a runner who, you know, you'll take on stuff like like this marathon or you more notably, you know, you'll end up at, at Twilight Meets or at Nationals. It seems like you're still taking things pretty seriously. What What is the motivation and what was the motivation leaving school to, to keep this up and, and to keep pursuing it? Um. I think kind of at the end of the day, I just really love it. Um, I love competing. I love being fit. I love that feeling that you get when you nail a hard workout. Um, I love race atmospheres. Um, And honestly, I wish uh, more people, I don't want to say took it competitively, but 
especially in track, I find there's a big drop off in post-collegiates after. Um, and actually, this is like from Steve Weiler. We were talking about this because when I first started, I was actually kind of embarrassed to still be running track. I felt old and this was years ago. Like I wasn't, I wasn't that old. And Weiler's like, well, if you're part of the problem, like you're, you can't really complain about it. So I try and make a, a point to do a lot of local track stuff, a lot of local road races, go to Nats, go to AOs, um, just uh, to hopefully try to in some way maybe encourage other people to still do it too. But You, you know, I was talking to, uh, to Kyle Wyatt um, and, and he was saying how it can be sometimes difficult leaving leaving school where you know you're in an environment where you're putting in this high mileage um you're doing that and all you have to really concern about uh concern yourself about it is classes and that sort of stuff you know leaving into uh the quote-unquote real world where like now you have responsibilities you know you have to you have to go to work for a certain number of hours a day and you know you you kind of have to to look after yourself and, and generally be an adult and and sometimes running can get shuffled down and so sometimes you have to make some compromises as far as your mileage goes and and sometimes that that can be a little bit daunting is is that something that that you found when you initially went into the workforce oh for sure um i'm a nurse so i do a lot of shift work um Kind of when I first started working, I did almost straight overnights. Um, so, like, I, I never felt good. Um, and that um, definitely for the first couple years, I'd say, was kind of an adjustment. Because um, I came from school where I did only have class and kind of running. And I would feel like that was a lot. Um, so, like, if I, if I didn't feel good, if I felt tired, I kind of let it get into my own head. And my workouts, my mileage definitely suffered then. Um but now I've been at it. I've been working for like eight years. Um, and I've kind of realized that a lot of it, I don't want to say is all mental, but a lot of it is kind of, I always try and tell myself that you're only as tired as you think you are. Um, cause I've had some of my best workouts after night shifts. Um, my 15 PB came after I worked a 12 hour day. So I try to just not think about the other stuff too much. I get home, I just put on my run stuff and go and try not to dwell on what I did in the 12 hours before. Um, so that's just kind of my biggest thing. I just try not to think about my other commitments and at the time just focus on my run or my workout, whatever it is. You know, I, as, as I mentioned, you ran with, with Fanshawe during some, some really good days for them. Uh, you also ran with the Mustangs, had a bit of success there as well, too. Uh, you know, especially with, with the Mustangs, you would have had a lot of people to, to train with when you were there. Uh, now, now you're living in Guelph. Uh, you're training with, uh, I would say, a, a much smaller group. And in fact, I, you know, I, I don't think that there would even be a whole lot of people to, to match up with uh, there. What are, what are the workouts like there? And, you know, what, what is that dynamic like coming from a place like Western where you can match up with a lot of people to, you know, this new scenario? Um, it can be a little lonely at times. Um, I've never um, overly needed someone to do workouts with. I find I can mentally kind of get through those easier. Um, I have a few friends around Guelph that'll do my easy stuff with me, my longer runs. Um, I got Taylor Milne during the summer. He actually jumped in some of my track workouts with me, which is nice. Um, the longer stuff now has been pretty much all solo. Um, 
but that's kind of races are kind of solo too. So I don't really mind it. Losing the team aspect is definitely sad. Um, Cause I think that is a big motivator for a lot of people to run is having that team there behind you. Um, but I found like I have a few, few people I'll still join up with and that even just kind of once a week or two meeting up with someone else makes a big difference. So, you know, living in, in Guelph, uh, I know that, that, you know, people who are familiar with the area, there's, there's a certain, uh, amount of, I guess, you know, like almost kind of legendary places now, like, like Cooks and Carter, uh, you know, Gun Club Bridges, that sort of place, you know, are, are those places that you had heard of or, or, you know, is, are those places that you train as well too? Or is it kind of open to, to everyone in the Guelph community? Is everyone really kind of accept those as, as neat places to train? Yeah, um, <clears throat> most of my marathon, all my marathon workouts I've actually done on Cooks and Carter. It's a, it's a great loop, and, like, I don't think I've run a single time out there without passing, like, other runners out there. I'd say pretty much anyone who runs in Guelph at least runs Cooks and Carter. Um, gun club, you have to hop a fence to get to, so I don't see too many other people out there. But, yeah, there it's, you can see on, like, all the Strava segments, because I creep on all of those that uh, there's a lot of fast people that have run in those places so it's kind of cool yeah you know it's uh guelph guelph is something interesting in that it has this uh really unique sort of like running culture to the entire city you know they, they seem to have to have caught the bug um you know coming coming from london uh where i think you know, it's it's a pretty runner friendly place as well too. Um, you know, especially along the TVP and stuff. What mm-hmm. w- was there a lot of similarities between the two cities when when you you know made the jump from London to Guelph? Um, yeah, I do miss uh, that uh, bike path though through London. That's one of my favorite places to kind of do workouts on. Um, a lot more trails in Guelph, um, but same you can find a good place to run from pretty much anywhere in the city and I find London similar to a point um just not as many trails I find but similar overall so you know as I mentioned you you know you you pb'd in the in the eight you had some good 15 times as well too you ran at nationals this year but you are running uh this marathon and while while you mentioned that that some of the motivations there were were a little bit you know, different, you know, do you see this as an opportunity to maybe step up your distances on the track as well too? Like, are, are you open to, you know, maybe focusing more on, on the five and 10 or, you know, is, is your heart really still in the eight fifteen? Um, I think at least for another year, um, I definitely want that eight and 15. Um, I think just for my workouts, I was in PB shape for the 15 too, just, um, got unlucky a few races. There wasn't um, really much of a field um, and kind of squandered. I don't want to say squandered, but maybe I just, my tactics were a little off for Nats and then um, the Hamilton Twilight, that would have been a great opportunity. So I have a lot of, I think, just passion still to try and, I'd love to run a 15 PB now. Um, maybe after that, um, I'll jump into some longer stuff. I, I don't know about a 10K on a track. I just, I have so much respect for the people who do it, but it just seems a little daunting at this point, but maybe it'll feel short after the marathon, hopefully. 
You know, when the uh, when the elite list came out for uh, you know Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon, there's there's just so many really really good names on there, and it's it's almost insane to think that there you know is probably five or six other women you know who you know ran elsewhere, and you know whether that be world championships or yeah where wherever they ran, it it just seems like a really cool time uh, for the marathon for women in, in Canada. It's just the the depth of field has been uh, has been really cool. Now you know we we've talked about this, and, and you know you aren't setting your goal you know to be up there at all. But what, what's it like to kind of have your name you know included in those same press releases? And are these people that that you follow and and followed before you decide to jump in this? Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of <laughs> upset I won't be able to like watch it actually happen, and I'll be racing it. Um, and actually when I like put my application in to be considered as an elite, I actually, after I did it, I was like, that's ridiculous. I was like, you're not going to get that. And so I actually just registered myself just like the, the normal way. Um, and was actually really surprised that they'd, um, take me, I guess, to do that. Um, but it's been amazing. Like worlds watching Lindsay and Mel race that was incredible. Um, Mel especially, she's a nurse too, so I really I have like a soft spot um, looking up to, I guess, people who work and then still run competitively. Um, I know Lindsay's a teacher too, which is amazing. Um, Leslie's always exciting to watch. Last year watching Kinsey go was um, cool too, so like I'm sure the top end is going to be really exciting, so hopefully I can watch like a recap after. You know, I really think that, that distance is at least since I started the podcast about five years ago, it seems like like distance events, especially for for women, have just taken off. Um, you know, you have been in the sport for for that long and even longer, and you've got to witness a lot of those changes. What what do you think it's really been that that's you know propelled just the the sheer both quantity but as well as quantity? Like, I know it's kind of like just like a it's hard to put exactly what it is that kind of like is stemming this, but like all it takes kind of is one person, right? Kind of with that breakthrough performance for everyone else to be like, why couldn't that be me? Um, it's like watching Gabriella like settle those world records this year and compete with some of the best in the world. Like our, our marathoners, we have like eight or nine girls that could have gone um, to worlds for the marathon. Like that in itself, I think is, hopefully just like opening more people's eyes being like, if all these Canadians can be up there and compete like that, like why, why couldn't it be me? Um, so I think it's a part of that, but honestly, there's probably so, so many other things and just running in general right now, like just is going crazy. I think everywhere. So, you know, we <clears throat> are a little, we're, we're a week out a little bit less than a week when, when this podcast comes out, um, but you know, what's, what's left to do? What, uh, what preparations do you have to make to, to get to that start line and make sure that you have as smooth a race as possible? Um, honestly, at this point, not much besides just resting, uh, fueling, trying not to dwell on it too much. Um, hopefully a good, like Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Um, we have, other than that, like all the hard work's done, like this part's easy. So Feeling trying pretty... to get there, uh, shake the cold off. That's the main thing. Feeling pretty good about it? Yeah, I am. I'm really excited. All right. Well, 
the Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon will be happening next Sunday. Uh, it should be a really great race, especially with the the Olympic trials and that sort of stuff. And it's really exciting to see your see your debut after you know watching you on on the track and in the twilights for for years. And it's uh, it's it's really great to see you step up. So I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Big thanks to Becky for being on the show this week and best of luck to her. She takes on the marathon this Sunday at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Also, big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at The Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and of course, tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. My name is Michael Rokas, and you've been listening to The Terminal Mile. Remember, support your local twilight. <laughs>